Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. Again with me this week is Vince. Zach is still out on leave. And uh, hi, Zach. We hope you're doing well. Who am I kidding? He's never going to listen to us. <laughs> he doesn't read the comics when he doesn't have to. He's never going to listen to the show when he doesn't have to. Yeah, I bet, I bet he listens to the X-Men podcasts that are out there. Every on the single net. one. Every one. All the X-Men podcasts. Um, anyway, we are here to talk about the books that are coming out on February 13th. No, February 21st. 20th. I always forget the DCs on Tuesdays now. February 20th, 2021. Starting with Catwoman, number 30. Written by Rom V. Illustrated by Fernando Blanco. Vince, you start us off with this one. What did you think of this issue? Well, I, I think I think this is still pretty good. Um, I think if I have to weigh it against the other um, Infinite Frontier stuff we've been reading, I think I think it suffers a little bit by still kind of being and feeling like the book that it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't make it worse on its own, but it does make it stick out a little bit when I'm reading these books. Um, you know, this story is basically continuing from what Ram V had been doing before. Um, villains and villains and everything, and there's there's quite a few references to the to the prior work. That's fine. I you know, nothing wrong with that, but I think like it makes it less exciting. Um, to read alongside these other books. Um, but I think it's totally solid. And I think Fernando Blanco, um, as much as I like Ram V uh, quite a bit, a lot, I, I'm always praising his work on here. I think this is maybe the, the the comic of his that I'm least invested in at this point. And I think in this case, the, the star of the show is Fernando Blanco. Um, I think Blanco's art is uh, just such a good fit for Catwoman. Um, it, it evokes, it evokes all the classic things that I like about Catwoman. Uh, there's, there's a lot of, um, uh, Joel Jones in it. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, uh, like the Brubaker era, um, artists and, and, and styles and feel to it as well. Um, Darwin Cook, um, various others who were on the book after. Um, so I appreciate for it for its art more than anything else. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree with almost almost everything you said there. You know, it's it's certainly still good. Like, I don't want to be down on this because I really did enjoy the issue. And actually, I think I enjoyed this issue more than I enjoyed the first issue of this run. Um, although they're, they're pretty close for me. But so much of it does come down to the art I think Blanco is doing really good work, and I think that Blanco, specifically when he is covered, colored rather by Jordi Belair, does some really cool stuff. Like, for instance, there's that there's the scene where it's like a flashback with the Riddler, and all of it is is has this like nice green hue to it, and Jordi Belair does this a lot, where she's able to take a sort of color palette introduced by a character or by a setting and go really heavy on that without it feeling sticky. Like, sometimes that happens, it just feels like a gimmick, whereas hers almost never feels that way. So I really like her coloring Blanco here. And while a lot of this stuff is certainly interesting and is new, like you said, it doesn't feel tonally very different from what was happening beforehand. And so it is a little bit hard to get as excited about this because it just feels like, for so many of these Infinite Frontier books, we are getting, like, I don't want to say entirely new ideas, but we're going to talk about at least one book tonight that I think is markedly different than what that title was doing just a few months ago. And so while this doesn't feel um, doesn't feel bad in any way, doesn't feel um uninteresting in any way i actually quite like this it's just not i think exciting is the word you use and that's a good word i will say that this even though the stories are quite different this reminds me a little bit of uh, genevieve valentine's bat a uh, catwoman run that i loved from the dcu era just mm-hmm. because i feel like that run did a really good job of taking selena not changing anything about the character but just putting her into a new setting 
that felt fresh and felt a little bit different. And I feel like this kind of does a similar thing where this isn't a fundamentally different Selena, but because she has a different supporting cast, because she's not necessarily hanging out with Bruce, it just makes it feel a little bit uh, fresher. And that was true before, you know, uh, Future State. I think it remains true now. Mm. Yeah. Good call. I also, we, we talk about this a lot, but I really enjoy how interconnected all the Gotham books are right now. And like having Ivy here means that this is going to be on a collision course with Harley Quinn. And, you know, it just, it's just good to see all the, all these Gotham creators working together. Yeah. Any, any other Catwoman thoughts or no, you're good. No, I don't think so. All right. Well, let's get to the flash then the flash number seven sixty nine. This was written by Jeremy Adams illustrated by David LaFuente and Brandon Peterson. I have a lot to say about this. I want you to start, Vince. What did you think of this issue? Um, boy. <laughs> uh, there's a lot that I like about it. Um, there, there, there's, there's so much here. It remind it reminds me in a uh, tone and kind of storytelling style. Um, of the same thing that we said about the, the Teen Titans uh, books, which or book, which is that like there's so many different story elements that they're playing here, and it feels like it's part of a, a bigger thing, whatever. And yet, I don't like it as much, and I'm trying to figure out why. And I I have to think that it's still the art for me. <laughs> I just have to like, uh, I I I don't think, unfortunately. Uh, David LaFuente and Brandon Peterson um, fit together that well as artists. But I also don't think that individually this is either of their best work either. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that uh, art-wise, though I think the art in this issue was better than the art in the first issue. Maybe. I I don't know. Um, but But – so many of the ideas in here I, I love. I love um, – I really like Gold Beetle as a character against all odds, you know? I'm not going to um, sing it. I'm not going to sing it. Thanks. Good. I'm glad. Wow, you're growing. Um, I, I think, like, that character has the potential to be insanely annoying. And I don't think they were, you know? I think I – think, uh, I think that was a pretty legitimately fun character, and I love all the teases that uh, that Gold Beetle and Wally have some sort of future as like a as like a do a team up duo or something. She they keeps have a captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever that means. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I like, you know. Um, she's got a skeets and it's named beats and that's pretty good. Um, it's a pretty good joke. Um, I like the, the, the giant dominator and the idea that, that Wally is jumping from speedster to speedster, uh, body kind of like, a like, a um, <laughs> oh God, uh, help me out here, Brian. It's like your favorite show. Quantum Leap? Um, Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap, yeah, yeah, yeah. The show that I'm going to be writing about for Multiversity Comics this summer, that show? <laughs> nice tease for your For, your for no one? <laughs> yeah. A lot of good elements here that I, that I think would add up to, to a book that I would enjoy a lot more if, if the art was more consistent or uh, more to my taste. Okay, I, I, I think that's... Very, very fair. I I think that this is a really fun book. This is, and again, like th this is no disrespect to anybody who wrote Barry for the last, how, how many years has Barry been back now? I want to say that the first mm -hmm. Barry series. 2010? I want to say, say the first Barry series was the John's 2010 one. This has been the most excited I've been for a Flash book since Wally was the titular Flash. Um, I love so much of this i really love the friendship slash relationship between barry and ollie and michael holt like that stuff has been so good and really 
I feel like it's it's just very very. It's the stuff that I always like to see. I like to see the 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 Justice League and the Justice Society. All these teams really have like personalities when they're not in costume, mm-hmm. and so many times we we don't get that. So it's it was I really like that stuff. I really liked the idea of there being like a time capsule that Barry and yes. have set up to send things through time. That's so smart. That's awesome. And that the moment where they have to like take a picture in that photo booth yes. um, before finding the time before retrieving the time capsule is yeah. The great, great little team moment for them. And yeah, fun. Yeah. I, I like all the ideas here. I think the art does hold it down a bit. I think specifically because, and we've talked about this on the show before, but there are some flash comics that really lean into the idea of speed and movement. And this does not do that at all. Both of these artists are not necessarily artists that are fantastic at showing movement and showing fluidity. Everything seems a little too posed at times. And that's like, look, there are thousands of problems with, with Ethan Van Skyver. But when we were when he was doing the Flash Rebirth, I felt like every panel looked very composed and staged. And that's just not how I want to see a Flash book. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's part of the issue here. But honestly, I think that the art is, I don't want to say it's cromulent, but it's, you know, it's to me, the art doesn't detract as much from the story as it would if the story wasn't so strong but i think that the, sto- the the thematic elements and the scripting are so strong that i can put up with slightly less compelling art um although i will say that i feel like the um <clears throat> the sequence in the future was maybe w- worse than last time but i think that the sequence in the present was better than last time i don't know it it's fun the, the art isn't fantastic but it's fine but i'm really excited about where this book is going i'm excited about the ideas that are being planted here for future flash stories especially as this one ends with wally jumping into uh jay garrick's body when the Justice Society is going on their most like storied mission from the Golden Age, which is to retrieve the Spear of Destiny from Hitler. So like, I think that's really fun, and especially because there is no JSA book right now, to give us some time with these characters is going to be a fun thing. Yeah, for sure. And anytime uh, DC can deliver on that promise of more JSA is good. Yes. Although I will say, like, I have read too many versions of the JSA fights Hitler for the Spear of Destiny story. Yeah. You know, beggars can't be choosers. And right now we're not getting any JSA month to month. So we got to take it where we can get it. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess my, my question for you with this is, do you think that once Wally is the, the firm lead, are we still going to see people like Barry and Michael Holt show up do you get the sense that that this is going to be a more interconnected flash book or do you think that these characters are just here for the initial arc i don't know i'm uh i guess i'm skeptical that that they're gonna hang around like that because that's just that's just so not what dc has been over the last decade i think like for too long all these different characters had kind of their, their own corners and their own families. And yes, they would cross over and it's not to say they would never cross over, but like they were, they were not consistent presences in one another's books as often as you would like, you know? And if, if this is what, if this is what it's like, I'll be thrilled because I, I love that. I love that the idea that you can see, uh, you know, any Justice League character potentially walk through this book um, as if they're just living in the same world, you know? And um, I'm skeptical only because it's that's not really been the way things have worked. I wonder if, you know, like, so we, we don't have a Green Arrow book right now. 
and it's been a little bit of time since we've had one. We know that he's going to play an important role in Justice League, and we know that he is, you know, part of the uh, event Leviathan checkmate thing going on, and we know that the Arrow family is going to have big stuff in the Infinite Frontier miniseries that's coming up. But I wonder if Ollie is a character right now that DC wants to build up again. And so maybe they're saying to their writers, you know, if you want to use Ollie, go ahead. Like, I think that would be really smart. If, like, let's say next year is going to be a big Green Arrow event. If DC editorial said, hey, you know, we want to see Ollie all over the DCU in the next year so that we can get him to a place where his event will feel more meaningful. I would love if editorial was doing stuff like that. Sure. I don't know if they are. I kind of doubt they are, but you know, it's um, it would be a nice thing to have. Um, but th- this issue just has so much DC three catnip in it. Whether it's the Dominator or it's you know that um, the Flash Museum is like a classic DC setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gold Beetle does work. I think you're right about that. Um, I I feel like that's a character that we are going to be seeing a lot more of over the next few months. But I hope that that character plays into like a, a booster gold blue beetle book as well. Yeah. Uh, because I, I believe booster gold and blue beetle were one of the images that were shown in the infinite frontier number zero issue. I think so. Yeah. So that would be fun if that character played in there a little bit too. So, all right, well, let's take a break. We're already halfway through the books for this week because that's that's our that's our life now. Um, so let's take a break. When we return, we'll talk about Justice League and Nightwing. So stay tuned. Hello, denizens of Earth-1218. We are the hosts of Make Mind Multiversity, a twice-monthly podcast, and it is I, Jake, the Taskmaster one. And I'm Elias, the Bendis one. Make Mind Multiversity is your handy guide to all things Marvel. Each month, we get into it with long looks at the careers of Marvel creators, characters, themes, whatever. Sometimes that means we dig into the X-Books of the recent-ish months, and sometimes that means figuring out which series is our monthly heavyweight champion. Sometimes we even have lists. And other times we have book clubs on Marvel series, past and present. Coming down by good old Skylaser to your podcatcher of choice every first and third Friday. Excelsior. Excelsior, indeed. And we are back to talk about Justice League number 60, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by David Marquez. So I I know we had somewhat mixed feelings about the first issue of Justice League, as we have for many Bendis books since he came over to DC. I think this issue, to me, represented, to borrow an off-used phrase from us, the good Bendis. I think there's a lot of stuff in here that I like when Bendis introduces into his comics. However, I think that this issue also had some of the, um, I don't want to say bad David Marquez, but maybe like not great David Marquez, specifically his Black Adam. I feel like his Black Adam looks like a sexy young man, and Black Adam is supposed to be thousands of years old, and just like, I feel like he just, it's a very weird look for the character. I feel like some of his characters just don't, um, kind of don't operate the way I would want them to, and I, I, maybe that's just my shitty taste coming out but I don't, I don't particularly like the way he draws Superman or uh, or Black Adam I think he, everyone's just a little bit too young and maybe good looking um, mm, I, I like that they're hot you do? yeah okay well I guess uh, you know different strokes for different folks different strokes alright I, I, I was emphasizing that yes but um Overall, I liked the team dynamic in this book. I liked the idea. Uh, there's someone, Superman and Green Arrow are having a discussion, and Superman kind of wins, and someone says, like, to, to Ollie, like, dude, you just lost an argument by being complimented. <laughs> and that is the most Superman way to, to win an argument. But I thought overall, Bendis did a good job of, of nailing the different character motivations here, and the voices of the characters were more or less what you'd want them to be I think um, I, I have some more to say but what did you think of the sort of overall bits of this issue yeah um, it's it's good Bendis uh, the the Bendis bantery bullshit 
um, is definitely present in this issue, but it, it all pretty much works. Um, he doesn't get too annoying with it. He, it's, it's, um, it's changed up between the characters. Like, I, like, I think you're right. Like, man, it's, it's a common criticism. And so I feel like a hack kind of making it that like, Oh, all, all Bendis characters talk the same way. Um, but I think that that's, there are times when that's true. I think there are times when, and again, like this is another common criticism that may be off base, but I can't help but think that like, it seems like when the work piles more and more up on Bendis's plate, the worse the individual books get. That's always how it seems to happen for me when I read him. Um, whenever he gets started on a new book, I usually think, hey, this is pretty good. But then like as he's working on that plus six other books, he tends to drop the ball in places. And so I don't know if this is just, you know, because he doesn't have a lot uh, getting put out right now um, at DC. But um, but it's really strong. And I feel like the voices are there. Like I can I, when Ollie is talking, that's that's Oliver Queen to me. And, um, same with like when hot girl is talking or when black canary is talking, I feel like they all have very distinct voices. Batman has a distinct voice. Superman has a distinct voice that we, uh, are really familiar now from, from Pendus writing him so much lately. And I think he slides right back in very comfortably here. Um, and I think like, yeah, they all do the little kind of snide, Bendis dialogue thing but in their own way you know like like Ollie's way is distinct from Bruce's way uh of speaking and 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 it really works for me a lot um it's the best stuff in this issue when the when the team is just standing around kind of debating things and and just being who they are as individuals and 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 bumping up against one another in conversation um, the stuff I didn't care for, which is not as big of a deal because I feel like it, I feel like it actually takes a back seat in this issue is the actual plot. And like this brood, this Brutus guy who, um, is sent to earth by the, by the guy who destroyed Naomi's, uh, original planet or whatever. I, I could care his less name, about it. the guy who sent him his name isn't thingamajig, but I was going to call him thingamajig because it's basically <laughs> that. It's Zambato. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a fake dance from an 80s movie. <laughs> it sounds like Lady Smith's Black Zambato. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it sounds like the bad guy. Yes. It, it sounds like in Bendis' head. Um, well, and who was co-writing uh, Naomi David with Walker. him? Yeah, David Walker. It was one of them. Like, in their heads, they were like, what is the the name of the bad guy going to be? Some bad guy. I, you know, like it's just, they you know. happen to see a box of Zatarain's uh, jambalaya, <laughs> yeah. and they uh, they decide to go with that. No, it's sure. a shitty name. But this character sucks. This character Brutus, he's he's real bad. He yeah. um he says some stuff in the issue that is like bad. American slang from 25 years ago. And I know that it's like an alternate reality, so maybe he would be familiar with American slang. It just comes off as so cheesy. Like I, I, not everybody has to just grunt and moan and not speak, you know, dialogue. But I'm trying to find the exact line he says. He says something like, hang on, it's going to drive me crazy until I actually find it. So let me just... Look here for a second. Scrolly, scrolly, scrolly. Um, man, this world is full of shiny shit. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. 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 It's really yeah, bad. Yeah. It's that's and that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically anything with him is like the worst stuff in the issue. And, and anything without him is kind of wonderful, I think. Um, yeah, I really like the argument about whether to let Black Adam on the team or not. Mm-hmm. Although we've seen that argument played out a hundred times before. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, we've seen that exact argument a million times. But I, but I feel like 
Bendis did a really good job of writing it, not in a way that's particularly novel, but in a way that that is uh, jaunty and enjoyable to read. Yes. One, my one critique. Well, I guess there's a couple of critiques here, but my one critique of this story is that like we know Hippolyta is going to be a part of this team, but we're going to get that dragged out for a while. And there's no reason yeah. to do that. And, you know, we know that Barry is not going to be a full-fledged member of this team, but he's going to be around for a little while, and so we have to just... I feel like I just wish that Bendis Books got started. There's always these these bits of preamble that are not necessarily bad, but just take too long to get where I want the story to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did like that when Barry made this like new version of the Cosmic Treadmill, he uh, he puts all their logos on it, and then, apolo- and then apologizes that they're not to scale, which yeah. seems, seems to me to be a Back to the Future joke, um, <laughs> which is which is glorious and just lovely. Yeah, that's that was an awesome page. Um, that's a great concept. That's such a DC. Ah, I love it. I, yeah. I love, I love, I love when you know. It's like that's like a version of the the big superhero group shot in a yes. way. You know, yes. it's something that only dumb superhero comics do, and it's fantastic. All right, so we have an update here from our boy Zach. He just texted us. Oh boy! Um, apparently, Zack Snyder wanted Batman v Superman to be called Son of Sun and Night of Night. <laughs> What? Son what? of Sun and Night of Night. <laughs> he's he's going to name his son Son of Sun. Yes, he will. Uh, uh, why is he tweeting us? Why is he texting us that? <laughs> because then he had to add to it, LOL, this would have whipped. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> oh, his opinion is just as good as his opinion on the Xbox right now. <laughs> and we're just... We're just... Just airing our dirty laundry, huh? <laughs> yep. He's not here to defend himself. That's true. And he'll never listen to this, so he'll never know. No, he'll never know. Even though he's going to have all the time in the world, uh, like, up in the middle of the night, trying to get his kid to go back to sleep. Right. Just put it in an earbud. Yeah. Listen, listen to his bros. No, he's going to listen to the, the opening. He's going to listen to Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts uh, <laughs> on repeat. All the different remixes. There's probably been like a hundred remixes of that song. A hundred? Come on. Like a thousand. I, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I thought you were doubting the hundred. No. No. I thought you thought I was overestimating. No. I think you're underestimating by a, by a hefty <laughs> sum there, my friend. Um, so overall, I, I think this is a really good issue of Justice League. And I think that this gets me excited for where the book's going to go. I just wish like... I wish that the first issue was this issue because almost nothing that happened in the first issue is necessary. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or, look, I'm enjoying the backup of Justice League Dark. We'll talk about it in a minute. But maybe you do an oversized first issue that takes a little bit of that and this. And then the second issue, they can be going off to Naomi's home home planet. Mm -hmm. All this was just taking a little bit too long. Um but I did really enjoy the Justice League sort of l- making Naomi an important part of this decision and supporting her in that. It, it felt very Justice League-y. You know, it felt very... I feel like the Justice League in general has always been a good support. I, 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 there are certain superhero teams that fight all the time. To me, the Justice League is is pure and doesn't often get into many like stupid arguments. So mm-hmm. I appreciated the very wholesome moment of them asking Naomi to lead them to her home planet. Yeah. Yes, that was great. Yeah, I, I, I think I think this is really good with the, with a couple of uh, warts on it. Um but I like I like Bendis's thesis on who the justice league is i'll say that much yes 
Well, let's let's talk about the backup in this issue, which is Justice League Dark, which is written by Rom V and illustrated by Zermonico. And this issue brings in the Justice League a little bit to sort of talk with the Justice League Dark about their plan. I have some mixed feelings on that idea. I kind of love it on one hand. Like, you know, it reminds me of the the New Justice era, which came out right after, uh, I guess, after year one of Rebirth or so. And we got like Justice League Dark, Justice League Odyssey, Justice League, and that New Titans book and Teen Titans. And all of them were kind of all connected around the Hall of Justice. I kind of mm-hmm. love that stuff, but I all, I feel like this just feels very odd. I don't know. That scene didn't – it didn't feel as natural as maybe it should have for how much these teams have interacted in the past. It, it didn't feel very uh, – it didn't feel very natural to me. Do you have a different opinion on that? Um, I guess I – I guess – I guess I didn't get that. Imp- I'm not going to disagree with you because that was your impression of it, but I, I didn't feel that. I felt like I felt like this was the thing that I was kind of waiting for the Justice League Dark to do okay. um, in a way. Like you, you may remember that, you know, maybe two or three episodes ago we talked about the JLD or like how few Justice League books there are uh, at DC or whatever we were, whatever the discussion was. And I said, I don't think people even consider JLD like a Justice League book, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say my criticism had anything to do with that because, well, first of all, there's no way Ram V listens to us. But also... <laughs> also, the turnaround uh, time wouldn't have wouldn't have lined up. <laughs> exactly. But it is ironic that I had said that and then they, then they do a story uh, where... It's literally the, the Justice League dark showing that, oh, no, they still are very much connected to the official Justice League. And and membership is a thing that that in at least some way kind of goes through them. Um, and I, I loved that. I loved seeing the the strange kind of shadow packed <laughs> characters um, in amongst the stock standard justice league you know um and and kind of bouncing off of one another see i i guess the part that i didn't like like specifically is the idea that the justice league dark like zatanna felt like she needed to ask permission of um of the justice league to do something because i just feel like that it has not been the dynamic that the book has laid out over the last however many years it didn't seem to me like they were the underlings of the Justice League. It seemed to me like they were able to make sort of, you know, d- decisions that aren't just based around what Batman and Superman say is okay. Yeah, I yes, I think what you say is true. Um I feel like they've done plenty of things that you know, they've done plenty of plenty of stuff in the recent past that they probably should have run by the justice league too. You know, if that isn't sure. in yes. fact the, but, um, having said that, like any excuse to get these characters together is fine with me. Sure. Yeah. No, don't get me wrong. It's always nice to see these characters interacting. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see DC in general, let their characters interact because we don't get, we don't get enough of that for, for obvious reasons, I feel like you and I are, are on the same page about that. We like it when our superheroes play together. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything about this, um, this sort of Merlin story you want to talk about? Of the idea of like the Merlin, who um, I believe Detective Chimp says is like the wizard. Like he's not just any wizard; he's the wizard. He's the magic user, you know, um, out there. Is there anything about that story that's compelling to you or would, you know, is it not working? So how are you feeling about this Merlin story? Um, I, I, I like it just fine. It's, it's, um, I, I appreciated the brevity of, of, uh, panel space with which we spent with, uh, the villain in this one, because, um, I feel like, I feel like when books get too bogged down in the um, exposition and the and the and the 
cackling wahaha villain stuff like it can be it can be a little overplayed like i i want to I, I want i very much wanted to see the heroes bantering and and talking to one another and and not have that taken away by too much of what the villain was doing and i think this book gave you just the right amount of that um and then and then that's also how we got reintroduced to ragman in this and i think that that last page uh, that Zermanico page of Ra- the Enter Ragman page, mm-hmm. really good looking page. Yes, great, great colors from uh, Romulo Fiardo Jr. too. Um, yeah, wonderful stuff there. So I think I think we got just enough of uh, that. That's working for me too, definitely. How do you feel in general? Uh, we I think we might have briefly touched on this, but I, I want to sort of dig in a little bit deeper now that we have a little bit more evidence of it. How do you feel about Justice League Dark being relegated to the backup of Justice League? Um, I like I like backup stories, especially when they're a smaller page count than the. Like I, I don't necessarily like when like two stories of equal page count kind of share a book. Sure, but I like a main story and I like a little backup because in general I think. Um, I think like, well, we, we've talked about this before, but like an arc that's six full size issues tends to be too much of one story for me. So if, so what I'm saying is if the trade off, like if this justice league dark book existed in a different, uh, universe, right. It would be, you know, whether, uh, an ongoing where there's like six issue arcs or a six, let's say it was a six issue miniseries. It would be six issues, 20 to 22 pages of story. It would be dragged out. I feel like it would be decompressed. I would get bored of it as a backup in justice league. That's like eight to 10 pages long or whatever it is. Perfect. Perfect amount of this thing uh, to be giving me on a month to month basis. Uh, and I feel like it's not going to overstay its welcome. And that's, you know, for somebody who really loves justice league dark, that might not be enough, but I'm, I'm not, I'm speaking less about justice league dark in isolation and more about how DC has been treating, um, like mini series or less prestige, like the non-Bat books and the non-Superman books, they're all essential. They've been treated the same way over the last 10 years where like a lot of them are relegated into these like six to 12 issue kind of mini series that for me tend to overstay, you know? And if this is a way to get the same variety of topics and characters into books, but to do a little bit less of that decompression, I'm for it. Does that make any sense? It does. Um, you know, I, I guess my, I don't want to say my beef because I don't really have a problem with this, but my, my doubts with, with this model are just, it comes down to, if you think that the Justice League Dark is a concept worth mining, but it's not a concept worth dedicating a monthly book to, then I don't know if you're ever going to get really good Justice League dark stories. Does that make any sense? Yeah, but I but I will say I'm enjoying these this Justice League dark story more than I have a Justice League dark story in a while, I think. So for me, I guess it's it's working. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to tell you your opinion's wrong or anything. Um, but I do think that we've got less than an issue's worth of a Justice League Dark story here. So I feel like... That's if, perfect. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. I was going to say, like, you know, I think there are plenty of books that you and I have read where if you, you know, if you if the issue stopped halfway through, we'd have been way more on board with it than if we had to slog through the end of the issue, right? So to say you enjoyed this more than other Justice League Dark stories, it's to me there just isn't enough evidence with which to to say that yet mm-hmm. sure yeah i agree with that 
Um, yeah. Okay. Any other Justice League Dark Notes? Um, or Justice League Notes, for that matter? No, I don't think so. All right. Um, so let's move on to our final book of the week, Nightwing number 79, written by Tom Taylor, illustrated by Bruno Redondo. Y'all know I'm going to gush about this, so um, I'm going to let Vince start again. Um, <laughs> what did you think of this issue? Well, I uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, probably not as much as you, um, but, but, I, but I liked it quite a bit. I think um, Bruno Redondo is doing some great stuff. I think I'm I'm still feeling the um the 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 sort of uh, a Hawkeye panel trickery stuff that he does. Um there's some slight repetitions, some uh what is that? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. What are you talking about? I uh, there was my laptop was making a noise. Uh, okay. You didn't hear that? No, not at all. Oh, good. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, where was I? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, I was making a very strange noise. You were talking um, about... Oh, uh, yeah, this the is Hawkeye rip- Hawkeye ripoff, yeah. Not, I didn't, I, no, no, no. I don't want to say it's a ripoff. I'm just, there's, there's a trick here and there. There's like, like when the um, mobsters discover that those kids are are robbing them or whatever. The, the way that that plays out on the page is, is very Hawkeye and Hawkeye didn't invent that either. I, I don't know. It's, it's Chris Ware in some ways, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Jeffy from family circle or whatever, <laughs> right? Where he's got the little, oh, the God. little, uh, trail. Um, yes. Shows where he's been or whatever. Um, no, but but there are those tricks family in there circle that I... Family Circus? Family Circus. Okay. What's Family Circle? Isn't that one of Never. those like old lady magazines at the grocery store ca- checkout counter? <laughs> yeah, I think you're yeah, right. Is it? Okay. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, anyway, anyway, yeah, there, there's 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 just enough of that in um in this to feel like that hand's not being overplayed or that it's not a ripoff. Um, which I, I don't I don't think it is. Um, actually, my favorite thing in this issue were the first couple pages where Redondo kind of takes you on a visual uh, recap of Dick's entire history, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a thing that a lot of writers do when they establish like a new run on something. They they intentionally write the beginning of one of their first issues as like a recap of the hero's entire deal. Sure. And I think Bruno Redondo's art plays that out in a really beautiful, comprehensive way. Um, so I, I loved those pages. Um, we can talk more about the plot, Dick buying pizza for all the, you know, home out of how out of home people. Um, but I'll let you gush on all of that. Cause I'm sure you loved it. Go, go off King. You're... Okay. So, I'm not going to say that I don't see the Hawkeye stuff because, you know, I, 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 I will say the first time I read this, I did not see it as much as like our, our friend Walter had been sort of joshing me about. My... I shouldn't have even brought it up because it's really not even that. It's not. Well, to, to Walt it is. Um, okay. And like he was sort of giving me shit about. How basically I'm uh, a uh, Tom Taylor slash Nightwing simp, and how you know I would I would never besmirch the name of Tom Taylor, or whatever. Well, and he's he, right. he, he's, he's only half wrong about that. But that said, I I I definitely do see a little bit of that here, but that's not the part of the book that I'm necessarily like getting off on. I think that the book is. One of the hardest things about writing the Bat characters is that it's very, very hard to give anyone in Gotham something new to do because they have been around for so long and at any time, like, three different people are writing these characters. Like, not necessarily... I don't mean that 100% literally, but, I mean, right now, 
Tom Taylor is writing Nightwing in the Nightwing book. Um, Tim Sheridan is writing Nightwing in the Teen Titans Academy book. And I'm sure before long, Dick will show up in James Titan's Batman or in Riko Tamaki's Detective. So you it, it, to, to give these Gotham characters something new is very, very hard. So instead of giving them something new, you have to give them a really good version of something we already know. And that's really hard. I think the reason that people sometimes say that Superman is boring, uh, besides being like incredibly wrong, what they're saying is that the character himself doesn't often surprise you because it's very clear who Superman is. It's clear who Batman is. It's clear who Peter Parker is. Like There's just certain characters that have been around for so long that it can be hard to surprise you. So what you have to do is you have to take this character who you know like the back of your hand, put them in a situation that feels new but not too new and doesn't fuck with the rest of the universe's continuity and all of that is is tricky. I think writing the bad character is actually very hard because of this. All of that is to say that this is the expected move from Dick Grayson. Like, Dick has always been the hopeful one. He's always been the one with the biggest heart. He's always been kind of the sap of the group. And so to put all of that stuff into his new billionaire status quo, to put Barbara in the book as a foil for him, to make it about him starting something in Bloodhaven and not just rehashing the story in Gotham, for him to verbalize that he always felt that Bruce Wayne could do more good than Batman. Like, all that stuff is, is to me, is really important to the Dick Grayson character. This doesn't shock me in any way, but it does, it drills down on the stuff that makes Dick important. And I think that Taylor does such a good job doing that and Redondo's art, whether you want to say it's derivative in times, I'm not saying you're saying that. Whether somebody wants to say it's derivative in places, Redondo's art is beautiful and is really dynamic and is really, really captures the sort of, uh, the sort of grace and fluidity of movement that a trapeze artist would have. I just think it all comes together into a really, really satisfying package. And I really don't care about if, you know, if if certain friends of ours think it's redundant or whatever. It just seems to me like this is the type of Dick Grayson book I've wanted for a while. You know, after 25 issues or whatever it was of Dick being shot in the head and being Rick Grayson... Mm-hmm. and not having interaction with the rest of the bat family like th- this is this is what i want this is my this is my comics comfort food and i'm very very happy to lop it up yeah lap it up lap it up yeah i think that's well said i think um i'm relieved that that we have a book that's about dick grayson and who he is and um and that again like the book is content to spend time on on fleshing that out rather than focus too much on the villain um i think i think it's pretty great that in this issue there's maybe three pages that deal with the villain kind of sneaking around in the background and the rest is all heart and all dick um and yeah it's it's really heartwarming stuff um it's it's there's going to be some interesting conflict created i think between this book and teen titans as far as like dick's romance is concerned um and i'm i mean that's that's his thing right yeah yes um and i'm ready for it i i i like that (laughs) stuff too so so yeah yeah I, i i like this a lot i mean we said this last week, two weeks ago. It's hard to, to keep track. This is the best the Bat books have been in at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. We just got a heartwarming tweet from one of our friends. Oh, boy. What's that? What's our, it say? Our friend Johnny Hall. Okay. 
He said, have I seen even half of the DCU films? No, 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 no. Listen to a podcast where three of the best lads chat about the Snyder Cut? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Everybody go follow Johnny Hall 3 on Twitter. Johnny's on Twitter. I'm I'm not one of the best lads, that's for sure. Maybe he thought Walt was guesting. Maybe, yeah. I'm just teasing. You're one of the best lads. <laughs> uh, speaking of that lad, what do we have on the docket for next week? Um, I uh, We have Action Comics. We have Batman Superman. We have Detective Comics. We have Harley Quinn. We have Robin. And we have Teen Titans Academy. That's a big week compared to this week. It's a big week. It's a good week. I'm excited for Robin. I'm excited for Teen Titans. I'm excited for all these books. Yeah. Comics are good again. They're for for a for fleeting moment. For a fleeting moment, <laughs> they are good again. Uh, when do you think they will be bad again? Give me a month. Um, a month, huh? Um, what solicits? Let's see. Uh, what solicits are July, coming out? July. Oh wow. We've um, already had July, but I believe August comes out next week. They're gonna be bad in they're gonna be bad in September. When the when the when the freshly mowed uh, grass of Lambeau Field uh, <laughs> calls for me, that's when comics will be bad again. I wonder if like for you and for me, because I you know, you're the football boy. I'm the baseball boy. Zach is the X-Men boy. So I wonder <laughs> I wonder if when those other things are good, if we have less interest in comics. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if like it's exciting because all the stuff is good at once or if you know we just get pulled in those other directions. But that's all right. Anyway, that thank certainly you. doesn't happen consciously. No, no, not at all. Anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. We truly appreciate it. Uh, you can follow two-thirds of us on Twitter. Zach is at WilkerFox. I am at Brian App. If you have to get in touch with Vince, he is uh, starting a petition for David Marquez to draw the sexy DC3 cast into an issue. <laughs> Come on. You, you, you know you want it, baby. If any of our uh, listeners even think about commissioning an artist to do that, just... <laughs> Send the money to a charity or something instead, please. Yes. Uh, I, I don't need that. a sexy drawing of the three of us kissing or whatever it would happen. Um, I feel like the three of us, even sexy, would be too uh, prudish to kiss. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week. Uh, bye. I mean, those are okay, right? But there's some okay stuff in there. But I want to see back in the high life. Again. I want to see '80s coked out Steve Winwood. <laughs> yeah. Yes.